Hey, good morning, you guys. Uh, good morning on this, uh, the first Sunday of December. Here we are already at the end of the year. Christmas time is upon us and uh, the crazy shopping has already begun. Um, hope you're doing well. Hope uh, your family is good and uh, you guys are plugging along and uh, <laughs> loving Jesus. That's it. You know, there's we're going to dig. We're going to dig into the Word of God today. A couple things to share real quick. We are loving our city. I hope you're loving your city. Uh, we've got our Christmas party uh, tonight, this uh, Sunday night, tonight. Uh, come and join us for that. And we're going Christmas caroling in a couple weeks on the 13th. We are talking about the joy. Oh, the joy that we have in Christ. You know, there's a lot of things that we preach about or I preach about that are really intense really like um, about living the life, about sharing the gospel, about uh, living holy, about things that really demand a lot of, uh, of, of our attention and our focus and our uh, devotion to God. I mean, that they just call us to change who we are. This topic is going to do that too because of what Paul says in Philippians, but this topic is more about like Think about what God has done for you and let that be the motivating factor for why you go out and serve him and why you live in, uh, for him and why you love him. You know, this, this topic, joy, that we get from heaven is incredible. It's just incredible. And so we're going to dive right into this thing. This is our focus. It's a great word of encouragement. Uh, and the world, the world needs God's joy. The world doesn't need more temporary fake joy. The world needs God's joy. True joy that comes, that, that finds its seat deep within who we are because Jesus brings this joy into our life when he comes into our life, when we surrender our heart and our will to him. The joy. Paul's letter to the Philippians is the word that we need <laughs> at this time of the year, this time in history, what's going on in our crazy world all around us. It is nuts. It is nuts what is happening in our country. It is co complete craziness. And what we need is to be reminded of the joy that God has from us. And so Paul, from his prison cell, gives us this uplifting word, joy. Now, not all of Paul's letters, this one, Philippians, is uh, filled with joy. Remember we said last week, 19 times he talks about joy in this letter. That's a lot for a small letter. Uh, but not all of Paul's letters are quite as joyful as this one is. Because sometimes what people need and what the church needs is a good swift kick. Right? We don't need uh, uh, we don't need a pat on the back. We need to, to get our butts moving. Right? We need to get going. Um, I saw this post uh, this week. It said this: If Paul saw the church in America today, we'd be getting a letter. Okay. Uh, I'm not sure it would be filled with a lot of joy. I think it would be filled with a lot of of instruction and a lot of truth about our. Our, quite frankly, our sinfulness, our sinful, pleasurable behavior that we are all living in. We're in chapter 2 uh, in Paul's, uh, we find 
Paul's next word of joy for us is in chapter 2 of the book of Philippians. So open your Bibles to Philippians chapter 2. And uh, this chapter is incredible. This is probably one of the most powerful chapters in all of the Bible that we're, we get to read today and kind of look at a little bit. It's, it's one of the most powerful messages for you and for me from God to us. So we're going to get right into it. Here we go. Philippians chapter 2, verse 1. Paul says, therefore, you see it? Therefore, if you have, we've got to stop right there. Whenever you see a therefore, we have to check out what it's there for. And so what we're going to do is back up a little bit and see what he's talking about. Because this therefore and what he's about to say kind of connects to what he just got done saying. So in your Bibles, back up chapter 1, the last part of chapter 1. Here's what Paul says to the church in Philippi as he approaches this next topic. Here he goes. Whatever happens, conduct yourself in a manner worthy of the gospel. Whatever happens, whatever happens, you, you conduct yourself in a manner worthy of God. That's what we're going to do. Doesn't matter what the world does. Doesn't matter what anyone else does. That's hard to do. But we're going to do this. Okay, this is what God says. Then, whether I come and see you or only hear about you in my absence, I will know that you stand firm in one spirit, contending as one man for the faith of the gospel. You see that word, contending. That together as the body of Christ, we are contending as one person for faith, the faith of the gospel. That is powerful. Without being frightened in any way by those who oppose you, this is a sign to them that they will be destroyed, but you will be saved. That's what's going to happen in the end, right? Some are going to be destroyed and some will be saved. And that by, and that by God. For it has been granted to you on behalf of Christ and not only to believe on him, but also to suffer for him since you are going through the same struggle that you saw I had and now hear that I still have. That's Paul's words to them at the end of that chapter 1. As he flows into chapter 2 and says then, Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in the Spirit and in mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, rather in humility, value others above yourself. Not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. Powerful word. Powerful word as Paul begins this chapter 2. And what he's going to share in this chapter is powerfully important for us. This is where... This is where the love of God finds its rest, okay? 
This is where the love that God gives to the planet, where the love God gives to us, this is, this is where it, it finds its rest in us. And this is what it should look like coming up out of us. This should be, this is the fruit of what Jesus is, is, has come to do in our lives. Okay, so check this out. It's the culmination. This, this lifestyle, look what he says here. If you have any encouragement being united with Christ, any comfort from his love, common sharing, all this, then make my joy complete, be like-minded, have the same love, being one in spirit, one in mind, nothing out of selfish gem. All these things that we are to be are, are the result of what God has put in us and what he has done for us. And this is what should happen to us as a result. The culmination of the mission of Jesus should look like this. What Paul is saying here in these first bunch of verses. So if you have your Bibles, keep looking at what Paul says. Let me give you a little illustration. These are, these are seeds, right? Seeds. Seeds. If you grow a garden, if you plant a garden, I love that in the Bible, uh, God talks a lot about growth and that kind of, this kind of comes up a lot, but about growth and seeds and produce and fruit and uh, fishing and uh, preparation and all these cool things. But, but seeds, seeds are, are super important. If you had a seed in your hand, like let's say you had a tomato seed or a pumpkin seed or whatever it was, that seed, that seed in your hand has all the, that little bitty seed has all of the potential in it for life. It, it, all of the future of what that seed will be is bound up in that one tiny little seed. That little seed contains generations to come of more fruit and more seeds and more fruit and more seeds. It's incredible how God has created the universe and everything follows this pattern of a seed and growth and produce and seeds and growth and produce. But that's just the seed. See, the fruit, the fruit, this is the product of the seed. So if you have a seed in one hand and you got the fruit of that seed, months later in your other hand, that fruit is the product of the seed. This is where the process of the seed is headed, to the fruit. You don't plant a seed in the ground for it to stay a seed. You plant a seed into the ground so that it will grow and produce fruit. And that fruit is the final destination of the seed. That's where the seed is headed, to the fruit. But also in the fruit contains ongoing seeds for generations to come. It's, it's the most miraculous thing that God has done that is right there under our nose and we don't even realize the miracle of every seed on the planet. I'm talking about, I'm talking about apples and oranges but I'm also talking about you and me. I'm talking about us as God's people and us as the human race. 
produce. The, the seed is supposed to produce fruit in, in so many ways and so many levels. The seed is supposed to produce the fruit. And, and this is what this is what's kind of I, I see happening in this chapter. Paul is talking about us. Look what he says. Look what he says. You as a believer, you as a believer, right? You as a believer, you are united in Christ. You see that? Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, you are united with God. You have been reunited with God because he created us and we fell from, you know, our 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 standing with God, sin separated us, and now Jesus has reunited us with Christ, and since we're united with Jesus, the fruit of that union is incredible. The seed of Jesus in you is producing for you personal spiritual death. God has come back, and he's in your life now, because you've accepted him as Lord, and he is producing in you such depth and spiritual power, and his presence now is in you. There's a lot going on in you. There is a lot of things that are happening in you if Jesus has truly come to live and dwell in you. And Paul gives us five powerful actions of God in you and for you. And all of these things, all of these things should have one outcome, and that is joy. The joy of God in our life should, should be what overflows from our heart, from our mind, and from our lifestyle, and from everything about us. Joy. Joy in what God has done for us. Joy. God wants you and me to live in this joy. And these are in you, these things that Paul's going to point out from this one verse, five things, they're in you, they're continually happening in you, they are the spiritual effect of your, in your life, and they are God constantly working on you, right? We are co-workers with God and he's still working on us. And so look at these things that Paul talks about in this verse. The first word is encouragement. He says, therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, that word means consolation or solace or comfort. God, get this, God is your spiritual and personal cheer squad. God is like in your corner and he's cheering you on and he's saying, you got this. You can do it. I'm right here with you. God loves you and he's working on your behalf and all the encouragement is coming from heaven to you. He knows that you're not perfect, but he thinks that you are amazing. In fact, he knows that you are amazing. He is in your corner. He is for you. The devil, the devil is the one kicking you down and pointing out all your faults. He's the one telling you that you're no good. He's the one telling you you'll never get it right. Don't listen to the devil. Don't listen to that. Connect Plug into God's word, right? Plug into God and his word and listen to what God has to say to you and about you because God wants to encourage you. 
That's what he wants. And when encouragement comes into your life and you understand the encouragement that you have from him, the fruit of that is joy. It's joy. It's joy. The second word he uses is comfort. He says, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any comfort, right? Paul's saying, look, you just turn to Jesus. You just turn to God in hard times. Turn to him. That's where your comfort will come. Jesus said, if you come to me, you will find rest for your soul. You will find peace and comfort and rest. Not escape from the things of this life, but peace in the midst of the storms. In the middle of your battles, God will give you the comfort and the peace that only can come from him. Note where the comfort comes from. It comes from his love. If any comfort from the understanding and the knowledge of what Jesus has done for me, that he left heaven, he came to this earth, he died on a cross for me because he loves me and he loves you. If that doesn't bring you peace and comfort and power, I'm not sure what will. His amazing grace, just consider his love for you and rest in his love for you. Oh, there's comfort. There is comfort from being united with Christ. Look at the next thing he says. If any comfort in his love, if any common sharing in the spirit. We get to share together as human beings with the Trinity of God. We have been brought into the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We have been included in all of the power of God and all that the Spirit brings. The Spirit brings all of God into our life, into our heart, and He brings even more fruit, the fruit of the Spirit's gentleness, peace, patience, self-control, all those things, plus wisdom, plus power, plus conviction. The word right here, common sharing, is the word koinonia. It means fellowship or partnership, or we are partners with, or we participate with the Holy Spirit of God. You know, all through time, you think about this, all through time there have been many, many mighty forces uh, of military. Even in ancient days, you think about the Assyrians and the Romans and the Babylonians and the Persians, all these mighty warriors of old that conquered cities and took over land. It's still going on in the Middle East, by the way. But all these countries, even, even in our day, uh, military forces like Russia and China and the United States and others, forces to be reckoned with on the earth. Mighty, powerful forces. Paul, Paul in his letter is like saying, these military forces, they are nothing. They are nothing. I've got to sneeze. Here, Paul is saying, here is the most powerful military force in all of the universe. You and the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and the body of Christ. You are the most powerful military force on not just the planet, but in all of the universe. Not even the gates of hell 
can overcome God's war machine. And you are a part of that war machine. You are connected with. You, do we realize that we are teamed up with and that we are allies with the all-powerful God and his Holy Spirit who lives in us? We are partners together with the Holy Spirit. There is no greater power in all of creation than the power that you and I have tapped into in our relationship with Jesus. There is no greater power power. Look what he says, tenderness. He says, if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness, that's the affection, that's the gentle care of God for you. He is tender with you and with me. He is gentle with us. His grace, he sees us in our despair and he sees us sinking deep in sin and he sees us separated and lost from him and and we are in need of a rescue and in his tender mercy and in his compassion he sends his son Jesus it hurts god's heart to see his people separated and lost it hurts god to see that and he desires for all to be saved and every person to come to the knowledge of his son to know Jesus and find life so in god's tender care he makes the way back to him so very easy. God does all of the heavy lifting. It's a picture, this tenderness is a picture of a father lifting up this giant boulder so that his little bitty son can grab the worm living underneath there because they're going fishing, right? And the dad's doing all the heavy lifting, but the kid gets the worm. That's this picture of tenderness, this love that God has for you and for me that he makes the way back to him so easy. His tenderness along with compassion, right? Tenderness and compassion. That word means favor or mercy. Uh, it's God's big heart for you and, and for me, his big gentle heart for us. Right? He's not just, he just, he not just feels for us and he feels our pain, but he then takes action on our behalf. Right? His mercy, his love, and his compassion have become our rescue. Right? As God puts his own character and his own qualities into motion for your benefit and for my benefit. He does what Paul is asking us to do. God has already done it. He's gone first. Check these things out. Look at them closely, right? Encouragement, comfort, common sharing with the Spirit, His tenderness, His compassion, each of them powerful on their own, collectively a mighty force. I mean, the power of God that has been put in us should fry us. It should literally fry our being. If we were to think about this, it should fry. Have you ever driven by one of these things? It's like a, a power grid station 
and, and they're always fenced off because you do not want to go in there. You would never go in there and just grab something. Have you seen a squirrel, you know, going on a, uh, you see a squirrel running on a telephone pole or on a telephone wire and he gets to the box where all the things come together and he touches the wrong thing and he just kind of fries and falls to the ground. It's kind of sad, right? That, that's what would happen if you go in here and grab something. Like this power grid, you see them all over the place. They, they have the power, like this incredible electrifying power, the, the power to light up a whole city. You think about that. Every outlet in everybody's home, every street light, every power, every light in the place is, is, comes from this, this place where this grid, this grid of uh, um the station where all the power is generated and then dispersed. Such a powerful thing, such power to do such good things, right? It has the power to kill too if you touch the wrong thing, but it also has the power to do so much good. So much good. Did you know, did you know that you are dangerous? You are dangerous to the enemy when you know who you are in Jesus, when you realize the power that is living in you, do you know how dangerous you are in this world? Toward the enemy and toward good, how dangerous you are. Remember, Paul, Paul, he is in prison. He is in prison when he writes this letter and he is relying on each of these truths Himself, he is banking on them, and his confidence is based not on wishful thinking, but clearly on the example of the one in whom he has placed all of his faith. That's where he is banking on, the one that his eyes are on, the, the very one that he is telling us to put our eyes on and to imitate and to act like Paul has fixed his eyes on that one. Paul's like, the power is in us. The power is in you. So make my joy complete by finishing the process. The seed has been sown. The seed must grow and the seed must produce a crop. Let what God has put in you grow up and let it mature. Let it take root and let it produce fruit. Fruit for the kingdom of God in you. That's all verse 1. Verse 2 and two through 4, look what he says. The rest is pretty, it goes by pretty good. It's smooth. Then he says, verse 2, Then make my joy complete. Be like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit, one in mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourself. Not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. Paul now takes who Jesus is and what Jesus has done and he puts them now into terms that we can live out, right? These are so very applicable to our lives. Look what he says here. Look what he says. The things that Jesus has done for you, now go and do for the world around you. You go live these things out. You go live these qualities out. Look what they are. Unity, unity in mind. Make my joy complete by being like-minded. Unity in mind. As, as a body of Christ, unity in mind. 
Have the same love. The same love Jesus has for you, you have for others. Have the same love for one another that God has for us. Be one in spirit and be one in mind. Think along the same lines. Have some focus. Have some vision. Be moving in the same direction toward Jesus and toward what Jesus wants out of your life. Be one-minded. Don't be selfish. Be humble. Put others first. These are all the things that he says here in these verses. Watch out for your brothers and your sisters. Love them more than you love yourself. Put their interests ahead of your own. This is, what, this is what we should do as a result of what Jesus has done. The reflection of Jesus shining in us. Very practical, very godly things. Paul's joy, he said, my joy is complete when God's people represent Jesus well toward one another, toward the world. It's complete when we treat others like Jesus. It's complete when the church moves out into the world and shines like Jesus. We love our neighbors and we love our city. This completes Paul's joy for sure. When God's people are living like this, when the Philippians are living in this way, Paul's joy is complete. But what initiates Paul's joy? What, what, what starts it off? What, what gets it going? What revs up this motor? What kicks it off? Where is the joy rooted and, and founded? If the result, if the fruit should look like this, where is it starting? Where is it coming from? From where does it come? If the fruit is you and me living out Jesus, us like producing the qualities of God in real life and impacting the world, if that's the fruit, what's the seed? What's the seed? Well, Paul says, I'm glad you asked. Because the seed is rooted completely 100% in the life of Jesus. Jesus is the seed. His mind, his heart, his compassion, his sacrifice for you and me. This is what sets the fire of joy into a blaze. This is what sets the fire of joy into a blaze in the world and in your heart and in my heart. It's all wrapped up. It's all bundled up in Jesus. This is what Paul points to next. Look what he says, verse 5. In your relationship with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. As you go out and produce the fruit, as you go out and live this out, you have the same mindset as Jesus. Live out the life of Christ in you. He's come to live in you. Let him live it out of you. Don't live out the flesh on us. Live out the Jesus that is in us. See, Jesus originates and Jesus initiates any hope of joy. It's all Jesus. It's in him and him alone. He went first. Look at the passage. He let go of his equality with God. See that? Who being very nature God did not consider equality with God something to use to his own advantage. He made himself nothing. 
He took on the very nature of a servant. He was found in human likeness. He was found as in, in the appearance of a man. He humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on the cross. Jesus is the seed of God that was planted in us. He is the seed of David and by which we grow and by which we move and have our being. Jesus is the one who starts it all off, all of it. In fact, Paul said in Colossians, he said it like this. In Colossians chapter 1, 15 to 20, the son is, Jesus is the image of the invisible God. He's the firstborn, the firstborn, he starts it off, he's the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible, invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. It's all wrapped up in him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, and again, the firstborn from among the dead, the seed of the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. See, it's all in Jesus. It all comes from Jesus. The seed, the growth, and the fruit. It is all wrapped up completely in Jesus. All of it. All the potential. All of the hope. All of the future. Like a seed is birthed and realized in Jesus the Christ. All of it comes from Jesus. The result of Jesus is and his sacrificial heart, the ultimate fruit, the fruit of producing God's fruit, is what Paul points to next. Look at verse 9. In our passage in Philippians, verse 9, he says this. Look at it up. This is the result of Jesus and his willingness to come to this earth. Verse 9. Therefore, the therefore is therefore because of what we just read from verses 1 to 8. God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. How awesome is that? The willingness of Jesus to let go of heaven and come to earth to rescue us Father God now exalts him to the highest place. He gives him the name that is above every name. At, at his name, every knee will bow. And at his name, every tongue will confess that, that he is Lord. And the Father, God, is glorified again. From beginning to end, he's glorified. Because Jesus, the seed, has come and been planted not just on the earth, but in your heart. Jesus has been planted in your life. Can you imagine the power of living that out? Can you believe the power that is in you? Oh, the joy. Oh, the joy. Jesus demonstrates, he demonstrates the most important truths about salvation, about true life, 
and about true joy. He demonstrates that all power, all glory is his and is in him. And he shows us clearly and with all authority where the joy originates, what the joy should look like in action, and what the reward of his joy will be. Oh, the joy. You guys have an amazing week. God bless you. We'll see you next time. Go live in this amazing, powerful joy of God's. We'll see you next time.